This is Spunky and Snarky, and we say welcome to, to the, the show. show. And welcome back. Today is a special episode because I get to do whatever I want because it's my birthday episode. They say it's your birthday. You get a pick a topic. So I took this opportunity to force Spunky to watch one of my favorite things, which is a Prince of Tennis musical. I've always been really into anime, especially sports anime, because it's usually like really over the top. And even though they're playing sports, they have these like crazy ass moves that like tilt the earth off its orbit and shit. (laughs) So one of my favorite sports animes was Prince of Tennis. Then I discovered the Teddy Muse, which were Prince of Tennis live action musicals that have been running for over a decade. There's several 2.5D musicals or stage shows for lots of different anime series. There's Haikyuu, Yawamushi Pedal, all sorts of ones. But I've had the opportunity to go to two of the Princess Tennis musicals in Japan, and I really love them. They're campy as fuck, make me happy and bring me joy. So I decided to force Spunky to watch one because she would never. So, without further ado, let's get into talking about the Tenimu. Today we are watching the musical Hayote Gakuen Imperial Match in Winter, which was filmed on December 24th, 2005 in Tokyo. The musical is based on the manga and anime series The Prince of Tennis by Takeshi Konomi. There's a series of musicals that cover the whole manga series. I particularly picked the Hyote Gakuen Imperial Match because Hyote is my favorite of the rival teams. So the Prince of Tennis centers around the one school Sekaku and their new freshman player, Ryoma Echison, who's a hotshot tennis player. And he's coming in and really kind of shakes up the club because he's super good and becomes a regular even though he's a freshman. There's lots of cool players on the Sekaku team. And it follows their journey as they're trying to get to the national tournament in Japan. So the musical takes place in three acts. And it starts off with some of the members of previous rival teams. Yuta Fuji from St. Rudolph and Sengaku from Yamabuke doing some Christmas banter. These two characters are just kind of in the show to do some narration type stuff. And then they present Sengaku. So the Sekaku team comes out and sings the first song, Do Your Best, where they introduce all the characters. So there's seven main members of the Sekaku team. The captain, Tezuka, Oishi, the vice captain, Kikamaru, Momoshiru, Inui, Kawamaru, Kaido, Echison, and Fuji. So the scene opens up 
afterward and there's three freshmen. These freshmen are in the anime and kind of become friends of Edgson. They're not that good at tennis yet, but they know a lot about it. So they're going to sing a song about how Sekaku is having this ranking tournament to decide who gets to play as regulars in the upcoming Kanto tournament. Everybody in the club is divided into four brackets. The top two in each bracket get to become regulars. Basically, the same group is going to end up being the regulars. There's just one bracket you really got to look out for because they have Tessica, the captain, Momoshiru, who was a regular, but also Inui, who used to be a regular, but was beaten at the last one, who wants to reclaim his spot. So they have a cute tap dance number about the tournament, and then the tournament begins. In Prince of Tennis, like, all the members have a special move. It's kind of like wrestling, where they each have a finisher. Yeah. Sports anime is very, like, over-the-top, so they have really over-the-top killer moves. So Momoshiru fights Inui, but Momoshiru loses. But he's like, I'm still gonna do my best. And then the fight between Inui and Tesca starts. And this is kind of an interesting one. Inui is a character who's like very scientific and uses data he collects in like notebooks in order to predict like the moves of his opponents. So he's playing Tesca and of course he has to sing his song. Data does not lie. Inui has never won against Tesca, but Tesca has a school move called the Tesca Zone where he just stays in one place and the ball just like comes to him in his little circle, whereas the opponent has to run all over. He also has another cool move where he lobs the ball over the net and it rolls back. So Tesca wins because he's almighty and powerful. Then he goes on to sing his song, Yudan Says Niko. It talks about how they're going to create infinite power hand in hand and make a new start with the team. It's supposed to be uplifting, but apparently Momoshiner doesn't think it's so uplifting because he just got kicked the fuck out of the regulars. And he like rips off his jacket and runs off and cries in a corner. (laughs) At least that's what I assume happens off stage. So that's the end of the ranking tournament. All the regulars are still there, except for Momoshiru has now been replaced by Inui. Back in the locker room, the freshmen are all freaking out because Momoshiru hasn't shown up for a couple days because all the crying in the corner. And they're like, oh no, he's left the club. What do we do? So we cut to Momoshiru and he's playing a tennis match against Utah, who is Fuji's brother. He's a side character, but he's like super discouraged because he can't defeat this guy Utah's like special move. So he sings a song about it Sore Sore no Omoe which is talking about how to overcome defeat and while he's having his depressed moment Atobe shows up now Atobe is the captain of the Hyote team and he's played by Kazuki Kato who is super hot he smacks on a stick and I love him also at this point Edgerson shows up who has been forced to go after Momoshiru and bring him back to the club, even though he doesn't really want to. He is emo and pretends that he doesn't care, even though he's like best friends with Momoshiru. 
they ask Atome if you want to play doubles and he's like, fuck off, basically. <laughs> and that's when Momoshiro decides that he needs to go back to the club and he's like, Edgerson, what are you doing here? And he's like, uh, nothing. And pretends to be cool and they just go back to the club. Meanwhile, Hyote decides to strut their stuff and sing their club theme, Karino Emperor, which is the Ice Emperors. And they sing about how they're going to rule over the court with their fabulousness. It's a really funny song. I love it. It's like, So noretachi koto ni kuni suru yote kori no Moving along, they draw lots for the Kanto tournament. They find out, like, Kyote is going to be their next opponent. Kyote's team has 200 members on their tennis team, so it's, like, super competitive who gets to play for them. One of the members, Shishido, had previously lost to another team. If you lose once in a tournament, you're not allowed to play again. But this guy is like super determined and like begs the coach to let him play again and cuts off his long hair in a uh, act of desperation. Yeah, to like, please let me play again. So they're like, all right. So they decide to let him play again. Meanwhile, the members of Seiku are training. Kaido, he wears bandana and hisses a lot, is trying to work out and strengthen his swing. And Inui decides to help him out by being like, oh, if you swing this rag through the water, it gets heavier and your swing will be better. So the other members of the team are also training. You've got the golden pair, who's like their number one doubles team. There's Tesca, the captain, who I already said is super great, but he has a problem with his elbow and Fuji's concerned that he's going to have trouble during the tournament. And there's all this stuff going on. And so they're just trying to get amped up for the tournament. Back to Inui and Kaido, they decide that it's best for them to play doubles together. So Kaido has a song and then it goes into Yudon Says Niko reprise where the whole team sings. And that's the end of Act 1. This act opens up with Momoshiro coming in with the school flag all pumped up that he's gonna root for Segaku and be like helpful for the team and be their cheerleaders. So they're all getting ready and they're like, where is the vice captain, Oishi? And then they get a call that he's late because he helped some pregnant lady. And so Momoshu is like, I will get him and bring him back. But when he gets there, he realizes that Oishi can't play because he hurt his wrist. And Oishi goes on to sing the song about how your dream is my dream. So you must go and play for the team. It's very sad. So Momoshiro has to go play in his place and tell the team. So they go back and break the news that he can't play, but it'll be okay. So the lineup is all set up and Ryoma is going to be a reserve player this time. Kyote has their big cheering section. So every time something happens, they cheer for Kyote. Hatsun wa Kyote makeru no Segaku, which is Kyote will win and Segaku will lose. So the first match starts and it is doubles one. So because Oishi isn't there, Momoshi plays in his stead. 
Now, Oishi and Kikimaru are considered the golden pair. Like, they're the best doubles pair ever. Kikimaru, he usually plays, like, acrobatics. He does a bunch of stuff to distract why Oishi is, like, the solid player. But now Momoshu is playing with him, so he has to figure out what to do. And the other team on Kyote's side is very acrobatic, and they're, like, taking advantage of the situation. They're jumping around. Getting up, get up, and get down. And getting busy and doing it. Moving (laughs) that body. But before the night is over, Kikamaru tells Momoshu what... Oishi would say to him, and it's Hyote is really against the three of them, Kikamaru, Oshi, and Momoshiru. So now they're the golden trail. So they end up winning six to four. Moving along to doubles two, we got our new doubles team, Inoue and Kaido, and they're going up against Shishido, the guy who cut his hair off, and Chotaro. He has this special serve. It's called a scud serve. It's like super fast and is able to win the first game with just service aces. They can't even figure out how to return to serve. Shishido is also strong and Kaido just like goes crazy trying to chase down every ball as they go back and forth. It gets to a point where Kyote is up like five games to zero and basically you have to win best of six games but you have to win by two. So Kaido's running around, but then you realize that he's running around because he's letting Inoue collect data. After a while, it's back to Chotaru's serve, and all of a sudden he keeps hitting the net. He can't get his serve to be in, so he ends up losing the game because of that. And then finally, Kaido's able to do his special snake move that he's been practicing and end up winning the game. But we thought they won the game, but Inoue decides that he's going to tell the ref that that ball was actually out. And it's like, just shut the fuck up. And it's like that kid from the Latter-day Saints, like I told the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. That was Alfonso Ribeiro. I told the truth. So that (laughs) happens, and Kyote ends up winning. Next up is single story, which is a power match between Kawamaru and his like little quirk is that he's like super docile. But then when he grabs his tennis racket, he has a power trip and he goes on to sing his song about burning, burning. And he's up against Kabaji. Kabaji's whole thing is he's the blank slate, copy other people's moves and absorb everything. So they end up just doing the same move against each other. It's like, who's stronger? Who has the most power behind the move? So they're just like swinging and doing these power shots. And I failed to mention it. The way this is set up and how this is happening, they don't actually have a tennis ball. They use the light to make get the ball spin. So they have this power match back and forth with this attack, Hadoku. And basically, both of them, like, break the wrist. And they call it a draw. So no one wins in the pissing contest. Yeah. So we're moving along to the singles two match, which features Fuji from Segaku. He's, like, the one who always smiles and is slightly sadistic. He asks Kawamaru, who was in the last match, if he can use his racket so that he can capture the passion. And then on the Hyote side, they have a member playing. His name is Jiro. They have to go wake his ass up because he's sleeping on the side of the court. 
So after they wake him up, they start their match and Fuji's super serious because he's trying to get stuff done and pulls these cool moves because he's got these triple counters, three special moves that are to counter attack. And every time he pulls one, like the other guy's just like, oh, that's awesome. (laughs) He does all three counters and he ends up winning six to one. But the next match is Tesca versus Octave. It's like the main event of the tennis tournament. And that's when Act 2 ends. And then Act 3 begins with some silent film about a toy. <laughs> he's practicing because he's like, I gotta beat Tesca. So I gotta practice. Yeah, it's all black and white, silent film, and you see the coach of darkness. Once the film ends, we go into a reprise of Carino Emperor. So a bunch of the Hyote fans cheer as Otobe comes out. And his whole thing is like he snaps and then the crowd like goes silent because he's like that fabulous. <laughs> he's like the fonts of the Prince of Tennis universe. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> So the match begins and he begins by serving and smacking the racket out of Tesca's hands. Everyone's like ooing and aahing in the peanut gallery about who will be stronger because they're both all-rounders. And Atabe is just living it up and he has to sing a song about how you will get drunk on his magnificence. (laughs) Which is like the best line ever. Yes. The song is called Ore-sama no Buguni, which is like boogie woogie. There's also a line about blowing a kiss of pity, which I also appreciate. <laughs> Atobe has a couple special powers. So his one move is called Insight, where he puts his hand in his face to look extra sexy and can see his opponent's weakness. And of course, he finds out about Tesca's tennis elbow. So Tesca tells Atobe not to pity him and he's going to give it his all. So Atobe realizes that Tesca can only play for an hour. That's his limit without messing up his arm. So he keeps attacking. It ends up with Tesca leading six games to five. Then they start their next game because they have to win by two games and sing the song Ikiuchi. This is my favorite moment of the musical. It's a medley song between Karina Umber, Atobe's song, and Tesca's song, Yudon Says Niko, and they sing it together and I love it. Tesca is played by Shirocho Yu and he has a really good voice too. I just love these two together. As they finish the song, the game continues and Tesca just needs one more point to win the match. All these voices start overlaying, like reminding him that he's supposed to be Segaku's pillar support and how people are counting on him to bring Segaku to nationals. So with all that in mind and like all like the dreams of the other members, he goes to serve, hoping to end the match. But as he goes to serve, his arm just like collapses (laughs) and he falls to the floor. Writhing in pain. Yeah. But then he gets back up and he just goes and takes a minute. Or she goes up to him and he's expecting him to be like, you need to stop and just forfeit the match because you're injured and you got to move on with your life. But he actually doesn't say that. He encourages him to keep going. So he decides to continue and they're on a revolving stage now and it's kind of cool. 
Atabe is not happy. He wants to win against him at his like fullest, and he thinks Tesca is being reckless at this point because he knows that his arm is injured. But now it could lead to permanent damage. They continue their battle back and forth, but Tesca hits a shot into the net, and ultimately Atabe wins because Tesca can't perform. Atabe goes over and lifts Tesca's hand and gives him like some props because he knows it would have been a different battle if he was at his full strength. The freshmen all cry in the corner because they didn't expect Tesca to lose. And the match is tied. Three games, Segaku, three games, Kyote. So they have to have a tiebreaker, aka Etchison has to play. So Tesca goes and has a little chat with Etchison about how he needs to be Segaku's next pillar of support. And all the members of Segaku sing a song to encourage Etchison as Etchison starts to play his match against the final member of Yote. This song is like, do your best, Etchison. Etchison is not the greatest singer in this. Apparently the actor plays Etchison had an accident right before they started the performances and I think he was still recovering while this was being taped and it kind of shows. All in all, Etchison has his epic battle and ends up winning. Atobe is pissed, but all the fans still cheer for him. Segaku, even though they won, is still kind of sad because Tesca's arm is messed up. And the other guy who collapsed earlier came back. So they're worried about the future of their team, and so they sing again their sad song, Yume no Tsunage, about how their dreams are everybody's dream. And in the end, they sing Do Your Best again, which <laughs> Do Your Best is the theme song of the Prince of Tennis musicals. It's super campy. And then also for this specific performance, the winter reprise of the musical, they also had a couple extra songs for Stolen On My Way. And I believe On My Way was released as a separate track besides the normal soundtrack. So that's it. Segaku wins, so they get to go to nationals. Atobe and Kyote will later find out that they actually get to go to nationals too because it's in Tokyo. And so there was an extra spot for them. So we get to see them again in the national tournament. And I was actually able to see the national fight between Segaku and Kyote in Japan several years after this musical came out. So, Spunky, thoughts on the Prince of Tennis musical? It was okay. It's a little hard to follow at times because there's so many people. And I don't know really anything about the anime other than what you told me. So, I kept having to ask you, like, who's that? Because I didn't remember their names. But overall, it was okay. It was cool how they did, like, the tennis, like you were saying before, with, like, the light as the ball. And they would keep changing positions. Like, the courts, like, sometimes they were horizontally or they were vertically or one person was on a riser where the other person wasn't, depending on the song. So the stage production was pretty cool. Yeah, these musicals are super campy. It's not for someone expecting anything serious, but for the anime fan, they're super cool. I've watched the Haikyuu stage performance too. Haikyuu is a volleyball anime, and although that one wasn't a musical, they use the light and the ball sounds, and it makes it kind of cool. Yeah. So you ready to move on to the brain basement and tell everyone about your adventures in Japan? Let's do it. 
Alright, welcome to the Brain Basement where we're going to talk about Snarky's adventures in Japan and some other funny tennis stories involving her dad. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so take it away. I was able to see the Prince of Tennis musicals in Japan in 2013 and I went again in 2019. The actual experience was very different than what I thought it was going to be. Prince of Tennis was a Shonen Jump serialized manga magazine published weekly. Shonen Jump is like the main comic book for boys. So I was expecting boys with their parents at this musical. It was all women. And I actually had a Prince of Tennis a Segaku jacket and I wore it to that. And apparently that was like not the thing to do. <laughs> like all these women were dressed super nicely like they were going to the theater. And I was not. So it was just weird because it was all women. I guess they go because they really like the actors who are in the production. So it's less about watching the Prince of Tennis musical as opposed to like going to see their idols. So that was interesting for me. Another interesting thing is when they do the curtain call in Japan, it's like they do it like super politely. Like there is no cat calls. They would play the music at the end and then have the actors come out. So while they're playing the music, they'd be clapping along. And then when the actor goes to bow, they clap frantically (laughs) instead of like doing a cat call and then go back to clapping in time with the music. I found it kind of funny. Yeah. (laughs) It's one of those weird cultural things like you wouldn't think about until you're like in it. But I really enjoyed going to the musical. Now, it's easy for me because musicals really follow the plot of the manga. So since I had already read the manga, like I knew exactly what's happening. I didn't know all the jokes because I don't speak Japanese fluently, but I was able to watch it and get all the cute moments and like the main things that were happening. The manga and anime ended several years ago. They had a spin-off series called The New Prince of Tennis that's later, but these musicals have been going on for like over 10 years. <laughs> so in 2019, I went to see another musical and it was still like the national tournament. And so it had been so long since I had read the manga. Like it was funny that things came back to me, like Etchison getting amnesia. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so funny. I really enjoy them. They're campy. There's a lot of like dancing and cool things on stage. And I just really enjoy them and enjoyed going to them when I was in Japan. And we'll probably try to go to them again when I go back. Our dad used to play tennis on the weekends when we were kids. He had like a group of people that he would play with. Well, one day he comes home and he's like, look what happened to my racket. And it was like snapped in half. And we're like, what happened? And we're like laughing. And it's like, did you hulk out? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, what did you do? And he tells us the story. He's like, oh, he got pissed off about something. And he like threw his racket into the net. And when it hit the net, it bounced off and like, flew over the fence and landed in the street and then a car ran over it. (laughs) So he must have thrown it pretty freaking hard. That's some like movie shit. Yeah, but he was laughing about it. He wasn't all that mad about it. I always remember that. I think it's funny. Yeah. He tried to teach us, but I'm not coordinated enough for tennis. I don't know. Yeah, me neither. 
I've always kind of been into anime since, like, my Sailor Moon days. Last time I was in Japan, too, I got to go to a Gundam cafe, and that was really fun. Like, they play all the theme songs while you're there, and I got to have, like, my dual Maxwell curry and all that kind of stuff. I've also gotten to go to the One Piece cafe when it was still there, the Barati, which was cool because it had all the One Piece themes things. Like, Prince of Tennis is, like, an anime that I feel like I'll always love. Same with One Piece. Like, I've really loved it for a long time. So every time I'm in Japan, I try to hit up, like, any kind of themed cafes or things I can do. They used to have Jump World. I guess they closed it down recently, but, like, it was so much fun when it was there. Shonen Jump World, it had different areas. So there was, like, the One Piece area and the Dragon Ball area. I will say I was able to collect all seven Dragon Balls and summon the dragon and help stop the meteor from crashing into Earth. (laughs) They have a One Piece merry-go-round and they had like a One Piece little ride, which it wasn't like a roller coaster, but you were in little cars and it wasn't that scary except for in the very beginning, you're in the dark and you just all of a sudden feel something like so beep across your head and it like creeped you the fuck out. I don't know what it is because I've been to a few Japanese theme parks like Tokyo Disney and different things. Like the rides aren't always like super fast and thrilling, but they use dark elements like really well. And then the person like let you off the car and she had this thing where like she pushed in her chest or like her shoulders rose and looked like her head dropped and it was really cool. We also went to like a One Piece themed thing at Tokyo Tower. And they had the Thriller Bark Island that was, like, haunted by zombies. If you gave them salt, then their soul would release and go back to their real body. So you had to walk through. And it just had statues. It wasn't anything scary. But the guy let us in. And you had, like, the ping pong ball you are supposed to put in the zombie's mouth to, like, release his soul at the end. So we come out. And we're just like, you know, that wasn't that big deal. And then all of a sudden the guy came out and chased us. And my friend straight, like, fell to the floor. And the guy probably thought we were on crack because he like chased us and we're supposed to be scared, but we're like hysterically laughing. <laughs> so yeah, Japan is good times. So I think I've gone on long enough, but I love it. Yeah, let's get into the music spotlight. All right, welcome to the music spotlight, where today we're talking about Snarky's favorite k-pop groups i kind of wanted to talk about k-pop because my love of anime is kind of what led me to my k-pop obsession (laughs) i used to listen to anime like opening themes and closings a lot and then when i fell into k-pop it just seemed like a natural progression so today i just want to give some of my favorite groups to give anyone who doesn't know anything about k-pop a variety of music choices that I think are pretty darn good. <laughs> Here's a little music sampler of different groups that you may or may not want to check out. The first group on my list is an older group. It's 21 with their hit, I Am The Best. Chalaga, Nuka Nika Nabodak. 
21 is the OG fierce girl group. There's a lot of like cutesy girl groups in K-pop. It's not really my thing. There are some cutesy girl groups that have amazing vocal, but like I love the fierce girl groups. And 21 has the jams. This was their big hit, but like Fallen in Love, Rush, like they have so many jams. They used to use this song in a Microsoft commercial in America, so you might have heard it if you're American. (laughs) Anyway, it's a great jam. Check it out. Number two on my list is by a group Shiny. They have a very distinct groove. They're very poppy. Unfortunately, one of their members committed suicide in 2019, which was super sad because he was kind of the heart and soul of the group. Yeah, he was like the backbone of that groove because he wrote a lot of the music for them. This was one of my original favorites from them. It's a Japanese version of their Korean song called Replay. Anyway, it's just about their pretty Nina, but yeah, <laughs> it's a cute song. The Shiny has a very distinctive sound that's different from a lot of the other K-pop groups on this list. Yeah, I feel like it's very poppy, but they have their own groove. They're kind of like the NSYNC of Korea, I would say. They're very vocally talented, yes. and one of the members, Taemin, has had a lot of solos recently, and he's a very good singer and a very good dancer, and I enjoy his solo projects a lot as well. Anyway, moving along <laughs> to number three, another group who's not together but still has solo projects that are fantastic. It's Domo Shigi, DVSK for short, Love in the Ice. <laughs> Japanese version of the song is also a Korean version. It's probably my favorite K-pop ballad of all time. I don't know what it is, but there's this like overlapping harmony at the end of that like made me fall in love with the song. And <laughs> I sing it at karaoke in Japanese like all the freaking time. When I was cutting the clip for this, I knew exactly what part I needed to pick. <laughs> the, yeah. That was your 
favorite. <laughs> like, I love the song so much. DBSK was a group that was known for their acapella and powerful vocals. Like, all the members could sing, like, super good. And they were super huge in Japan under the name Tohoshinki. Like, I didn't even realize until I was in Japan at the One Piece store that Toho Shinki actually did one of the theme songs for One Piece. And I was like, wait, I know this song and now I know this groove. <laughs> like, it was kind of weird. Moving along, of course, I have to have my favorite group. And if you haven't heard of this group by now, you're clearly living under a rock. It's BTS. I love BTS. I'm a huge army. So to pick a song was difficult, but I decided to go with Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Just because I feel like this song came out right before they broke America and they started having American publicity. And it's such a shame because I feel like if this was the song that broke them into America, like there would have gotten so many more fans. DNA is a great song, but this was like a sexy song. I feel like we needed in America. <laughs> like I feel like America is missing like the male singer, classy, sexy. Like we haven't had it in a while. The old Usher and Neo and Boys to Men and like that R and B like sexiness. And I need that in my life sometimes. And this is a very sexy song. But BTS has had tons of hits. I mean, I love Spring Day. They're very eclectic. So if you like different styles, I feel like you could find something in BTS you'll probably like because they have their rap line does the ciphers, the vocal line does their things. There's a mix of things. There's club bangers and there's ballads. So check them out if you haven't already. And then last on my list is Spunky's favorite group. <laughs> I love them. I love them too. One of the groups that really got us hooked into K-pop right from the beginning. And that group is Big Bang. They were like the hottest ticket in Korea for a They're long the kings of time. For a reason. All the members have had solos and they're huge in Korea. So I picked this song because I feel like this is one of the best K-pop songs ever. It's Bad Boy. And every day and night I'm so mean yes. I'm so real I'm so It's amazing. Check this song out. I feel like this song appeals to all people. If you like hip hop, if you like R&B, if you like anything, if you like music, check this song out because it's a jam. I think this could have broken America, but it came out a little later. It's from 2012. Yeah, the timing wasn't right. But yeah, this is a jam. 
I've talked to many different people who like Big Bang, who are different sex culture, whatever, Big Bang, like, transcends. We went to the Big Bang concert in LA, and there was, like, a whole Korean family, like, three or four generations of people in front of us. I went to see GD at KCON and was talking to a Latino girl and the black guy about how much we love GD. It's amazing. A lot of guys like Big Bang, too, because I remember seeing, Mm -hmm. like, a girl who clearly brought her boyfriend along and he was not really into it at first but then when GD and Top came out and did their thing he like got into it real quick <laughs> yeah it's hard not to like big thing alright moving along I have a couple of honorable mentions I wanted to throw on the list the first is another currently popular group which is Blackpink and I picked their song Playing With Fire because this was a jam <laughs> some management issues and like it's been a long time coming to get them some like good music and some of their later songs have not wowed me as much but those first couple Bumaya, Whistle and then this Playing With Fire were jams and they still are jams and I really like the group and I hope YG can get it together and like get them some good songs. And then my second honorable mention I wanted to throw on for people who are not going to like K-pop no matter what. It's too poppy, the dance moves, whatever. This group is Epic High. I don't really consider them a K-pop group because they're really a rap group. It's two rappers and their DJ. Like Run DMC. Yeah, pretty much. It's <laughs> Tableau, Mithra, and DJ Two Cuts. And they create great fucking music. I don't always follow them, but every time I, like, listen to their albums, I always find something appealing and something to like. They always have some really good songs. And the song I picked is just an epic hip-hop song. It's called Born Hater, and it features, like, five other rappers. Wow! Get your back up, take it to the so they don't mind God. No doubt, we're going now, make a don't know, let's do the some of their other songs, they do a version of Taeyang from Big Bang's Eyes Nose Lips in oh, English. Yeah, I love. They did an English song with Lehigh, Here Come the Regret. They have so many jams, Burj Khalifa. They just came out with a new album, I think, a couple weeks ago. There's nothing not to love about them. Like I said, it's weird because I don't follow them like super actively, but I've seen them on concert and every time I listen to them, like they make me happy and I always find something to connect with when I listen to their music. They're just awesome. So if you are eager to figure out what this K-pop shit is all about, like (laughs) 
check out any of these songs and I feel like out of the seven you should be able to find something alike <laughs> yeah all right that's it for our music spotlight if you want to check these songs out in full you can check them out on our website thank you so much for joining me for my very special birthday episode as I talked about all of my favorite things musicals and anime what's more snarky than that (laughs) (laughs) thanks again for listening to my ramblings and if you want to find out more about any of the shit we talked about today you can check out our website yeah you can email us at spunkyandsnarkyshow at gmail.com you can check out our website at spunkyandsnarkyshow.wordpress.com you can leave us a voice message on our Anchor page, which is anchor.fm slash spunky and snarky. Or you can get a hold of us or like our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram page if you'd like to. Thanks for listening. Have a happy birthday, Snarky. And mm-hmm. when this airs, it's going to be our mom's birthday, too. So mm-hmm. happy birthday to Mama Sass. <laughs> well, have a good one, and we'll see you next time. Peace out. Bye.